This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm Ross. You know who you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Today, we're going to talk about something that is probably a worry that might be constant in your life that you often feel not sure what to do about. Today, we're going to talk about technology. To help us in this conversation, I am joined by Keith Robinson. Keith is a senior associate at the Slingshot Group. So Keith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Ross, for having me. Great to be here today. So I imagine there's a large contingent of folks who listen to who have heard of Slingshot. Maybe there is uh, maybe there's people who are listening who got connected to their ministry that they're at now thanks to the Slingshot Group. But for folks who don't, can you explain what Slingshot Group is? What is your ministry? What does that look like? Yeah, we staff the church and faith-based nonprofits. Um, our mission is to help organizations that are doing good to build remarkable teams. And so for the last 15 years, we've had the privilege of serving thousands of churches and nonprofits and their leaders um, by making those crucial introductions during seasons of transition. And so we have an amazing team of associates, um, 50 some associates on our team that work remotely coast to coast serving the church and the broader um, body of Christ, um, both in this country, but even globally because of our work helping organizations that are doing international missions. So just an incredible team. And I'm so honored to be a part of such a great group of all-stars. Well, it's, it's great to connect with you. Uh, this has been, uh, something that's been on my, on my radar ever since I heard you on with Gabe Lyons. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Gabe and his wife, Rebecca founded a ministry called Q ideas. Um, and they have a podcast too, because at some point everyone in the world will have a podcast of their own. Um, but since you're not doing yours right now, dear listener, thank you for listening to ours. But, uh, Keith, where I wanted to start things with you, because it's something that I heard you and Gabe discussed extensively in your conversation, which is, I'll qualify this by saying neither of us are epidemiologists, but since we have navigated a world that seems to be outside the peak of how COVID-19 was gonna change our lives. We are operating in a different reality than we were back in 2019. I'm curious how you break down the responses of how churches responded to COVID in the lens of particularly technology, but sort of in general from your seat. Great question, Ross. And boy, is that a loaded one because I think <laughs> that you can find a lot of different um, scenarios that, that sort of represent um, every experience. And anecdotally, I feel like at Slingshot, we saw all of those uh, with our associates and with as many churches as we are engaging with in conversation on any given day. Sure. We hear a lot. What I can tell you is, is that what I've been most blown away by and reassured of is the resiliency of the church mm. and how beautiful and bright um, it can be and she can be in the midst of a dark culture. And so in, in pockets all around this country, in little communities and big cities, uh, we saw the church mobilize in many ways and take its message into the digital space with a lot of energy, with a lot of, we're not sure, but we're gonna go for it. And I think for those churches that were willing and pulled out the stops and said, hey, we may not be you know, uh, experts in technology or media, but we're gonna invite people to come alongside and help. And Slingshot had the privilege of doing that. I walked with some, several churches um, as they pivoted to online and digital ministry strategies. And so I, again, I think overall, what we saw was just the resiliency of God's people mm. and really um, 
uh, kind of a, a realignment, I think, in a lot of ways is what churches are experiencing right now as it relates to who's in my church. Yeah. And so I, I think we're seeing a lot of that where churches are saying my attendance is fluctuating week to week, sometimes wildly as people are starting to resettle. And uh, we work in the world of staffing. So we've seen all of the, um, you know, great resignation, you know, that's yeah. the, the, the term that's being used. And we've certainly seen uh, the results of that because it's touched those in vocational ministry in a very real way. So there's been a, it's been a lot of transition, both of leaders and congregants. And so right now, I believe there's a time of resettling that's happening and a kind of a, a regathering and a calling back to mission and to the foundation and the roots of our faith. I love that. What I saw, especially in the beginning of the pandemic, was a lot of churches um, became content ministries, yeah. right? They were putting out their worship. They were putting out their sermons. They were doing everything they can to sort of join the pre-existing digital landscape. But now what we're seeing, however many years and months later, we're beginning to see how effective that was with discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, we're getting stats that are reflecting that a, a frighteningly minority of parents heard from their Kidman pastor during the pandemic. And we're seeing how churches have gotten smaller, the great resignation, how pastors have reached the point of no return and have had to step away from ministry for their own, because of how exhausted they are. To bring this conversation a bit into what we talk about every day, one of the things that we at Awana are obviously most mindful of is how this all impacts kids. And obviously, you're not speaking for the church. You're not even speaking for Slingshot. Uh, but anecdotally, like you said, I'm curious how you saw some of that pivot, some of that resiliency play out, particularly in the world of child discipleship. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Ross, I'll maybe pose this question to you and to our audience today. Do you remember when you got that first guilt inducing notification about how much time you spent on your screen? (laughs) Oh yeah. Uh It was like, Hmm? it was like they just showed you a mirror of all your, your proclivities. And And then you find yourself saying things like, Oh, it was under eight hours this week. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, you feel rewarded that your screen time was down 20%, but it's still endless hours. And Uh you you spent binging, you know, digital is a space that we occupy. And I think that that framework is really important to help understand the choices that we make in these spaces, because like all spaces that we occupy, the space we inhabit affects the choices we make. Mm. Now, I first noticed this in my two teenage sons. So I'm a veteran student pastor. So I'm a student pastor in 10 years, but for 10 years, mm-hmm. I ran in the lane of student ministry and I get to serve churches in the area of student ministry in addition to some of the other areas that serve the church in, including digital communications. But now, um, now being on this side of it as a parent and, and having teenagers of my own, um, I first noticed this idea that digital is a space that we occupy when I noticed that my two boys, when they play video games, it's a lot different than what that experience was like for me growing up. You, you know, if I wanted to have a night of playing video games with my buddies, like we had to get everybody into our house and around the same television, yeah. you know, and, and I remember when, when technology came out that we could link our TVs together, like just such a, a mind blowing thing. But today, if my son plays a game, a video game, 
it's usually happening online in sort of a cooperative game mode, right? Mm -hmm. So rarely do I go into his bedroom and, and find him playing a video game by himself. It's a community experience. It's a space that he, he's inhabiting in the digital world. Mm -hmm. And so the sooner that my wife and I figured out that technology was going to be a part of their lives in a more profound way than what maybe I was used to, the sooner I could stop fighting against it and really help our children understand what does responsibility look like in this space? Yeah. Right. What, what are the things that you and your friends are talking about in this space? What are the things you're viewing and watching? And so that began to frame a lot differently how we approached parenting because it was more of a community experience than it was an isolated individual experience in technology. So I think that's one of the things with adolescence growing up with these tools, with these, you know, these powerful devices in their hands and in their pockets. I mean, adolescence is a relatively new thing in the history of humanity. Mm, you know, there is true. an enormous amount of pressure on kids today that wasn't necessarily created by social media, but it revealed it. Mm -hmm. And now that it's out there, I think adults are the ones who have the responsibility to engage their children in a conversation about what is and what is not appropriate. What does being a believer even look like in adolescence in this space? And, and what I would say is our kids aren't always going to get this right. And mm -hmm. the same is true in every area of life for them. But when it comes to technology, our children's behaviors online, whether negative or positive, for me, they all become teaching moments for us as parents. That's good, man. Oh, man, there's, there's a lot of things I want to unpack there. Because here, So here's what I find particularly compelling about that. You and your wife were brought in this position where you had to shift your mentality, right? You had to shift from what your pre-existing relationship with, was with technology and recognize that your sons were operating in an entirely different world. You know, if you have ever looked at a teenager and been like, I feel like we're from different planets. Turns out you are, right? Yeah. That shift has been harder for churches. Yeah. That kind of, that recognition to move out, this is my label. So if you have any issue with it, you can email podcast at awana.org, right? But to move from a culture war perspective yeah. of internet's bad, technology is bad, Social media is bad. So what I would argue is much more fruitful for discipleship, which is trying to figure out how our kids in this space that they occupy, which is a beautiful way to describe it, can be like Daniel in Babylon. Yeah. can thrive in an environment like that and reflect Christ in an environment like that. And I'm curious, the churches that made the pivot well, whether you know broadly for their ministries, but the churches that were able to make their digital engagement about discipleship. Again, anecdotally, how were, how was your organization able to support them? What was that sort of those initial conversations like? Because the, they didn't happen without a high level of intentionality. That's really good. Well, Ross, we were forced into it. <laughs> sure. Either we, we jump into this space and figure it out or we're going to lose connection with our community. Hmm. I think the mission and the heart of Jesus and leaders said, let's go for it. That's and perfect as all of that was, even for the ones that had a head start, we'll tell you that it wasn't all perfect. And um, but one of the things that I think um, that helped the churches 
to see this as an opportunity to be seen. They saw the opportunity cost of digital. It's for those that took a moment to step back from the frame and reflect on how digital was already impacting their own choices day to day. Because technology has changed the way that we as humans form bonds and build relationships. Fundamentally. 100%. Period. Yeah. <laughs> stop. Uh-huh. If that's true, then what does that mean for the church? Because that's true of humans in, in the world today. 20 years ago, Ross, you couldn't talk to strangers that you didn't know. But today, we go sleep in their beds, we drive their cars, and we trust their opinions from everything from the dog groomer we use to the pad thai that we're going to eat for dinner tonight. And so the moment we realize that, that there's this false dichotomy and war going on between digital and physical and instead realize these are a complement to one another and yeah. we integrate digital into our ministry strategy, that's where all of a sudden possibilities and opportunities and creativity begin to fill up with, uh, with these churches and leaders saying, yes, we do form bonds and build relationships differently. Digital is a tool in our hands to build trust and reliability with our community. That's what great brands have been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah. And we have a more compelling story because I think that, you know, my concern with these kinds of conversations is always for the leader who already feels overwhelmed, right? The leader who whether for whatever reason, they're not necessarily as much of a digital native as they'd like to be. They're much more of a, somebody described it, described it to me once, a digital immigrant to this conversation, is that this doesn't feel like an item on their to-do list, that it feels central to not only their mission, but also reflects things that they're already doing. You know, we talk about child discipleship around here as this three different components of belong, highly relational, believe deeply scriptural and become highly experiential. And I feel like the digital space is full of opportunities that fall into all areas of that discipleship, but it requires a level of involvement from us that mirrors the level of involvement that you dear listener have with the kid in your local small group. And to bring it back to what we've been talking about, I'm curious you talked about creativity and innovation. I'm curious what that looks like here. You know, there's a bunch of people who are listening who want to engage in that, but because it is so new to them personally, they don't even know where to start. Like where, what did this look like when it was done really well? I'm gonna make a, a statement here that I really believe, and that is that the digital disruption has given us the greatest opportunities for evangelism in 2000 years. Mm. And the reason I can say that with confidence is because there's something that excites me. And this is going to just stay with me on this. But all over this country, there are these little coding schools um, that are popping up in neighborhoods and communities. And you pay, you know, to have six sessions to teach your kid how to code. Mm -hmm. And they're learning programming language. They're learning skills for a digital world. And I say this with um, a great deal of respect and sincerity. At the same time, I work in the world of staffing and I see a massive skills gap mm -hmm. in the leaders that need to be prepared to lead in the church today. Um, and and what, I, what I'm burdened by is the fact that we are seeing the great resignation 
We know, according to Barna's research in recent years, I don't know the exact stat today, but I know just a couple of years ago, it was the average age of senior pastors was 55 plus. Mm. And so with an aging vocational clergy, what are we facing except a crisis for leadership in the next generation? And so while Bible colleges and seminaries have done a great job at teaching theology and the practicums of ministry, one of the things that I believe that's missing oftentimes is this tooling, this preparation that happens from learning the actual skills of what it means to be a visual storyteller in our culture, Mm. because that's where people are. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Research is clear. Parents hold the most significant influence in a child's development. That's why Awana developed Talk About. Talk About delivers child discipleship through simple discussions and family fun, forming lasting faith one conversation at a time. With your family's monthly subscription, you'll receive an email each week containing your Talk About bundle, including guided conversations through selected scripture passages, which allow families to engage in the Bible and answer big questions with the truth of God's word. Fun, hands-on activities take the guesswork out of child discipleship as kids color, create, sing, and share. Kids will remember and reinforce what they've learned throughout the week. Helpful references, videos, and insights provide parents and caregivers with deeper levels of biblical knowledge to help deepen your family's understanding of God's word each week. It's the everyday moments of life that can become moments that make an eternal difference. These are the moments Talk About was created for. Bring the gospel home and help your kids form lasting faith one conversation at a time. Try one month of Talk About for free with a special promo code exclusive for our podcast listeners, Resilient. Again, that's one month of Talk About for free with the promo code Resilient. Get started today at TalkAboutDiscipleship.com. In many ways, I think that the culture is far ahead, right, of, of where the, the church is in understanding this, of preparing leaders for tomorrow's needs. And I think the church needs to lean into that and say, what kind of investment should we be making in our young people today so that they can lead in the future? And if we really are honest about that question, it will change and influence the sorts of ways that we invite them to volunteer and to help out and to serve. Um, you know, when it comes to child discipleship and involving them in technology, you know, I was a student pastor, a next-gen pastor for years, and now I have the privilege of seeing former students of mine that uh, came along in the ministry that I served in, and they're on the mission field now. You know, they're adults, they have kids of their own. It makes me feel really old, but um, it, it really does bring a lot of joy to your heart when, when yeah. you see them. But one of the things I've been intentional about with that is using technology to stay connected to those missionaries, wherever they're living around the globe, but not just that, but inviting my children into that conversation as well, into praying for that missionary and seeing them in their setting, wherever they're at, knowing that technology is that bridge that keeps us connected. So I think there's just there's just so much that we can be doing to stay connected and to be preparing leaders um, for the needs of tomorrow. And I think what I would hope people hear from that is 
you know, you're not hearing Keith say, now here's the top 10 things you should do for your social media or for your Facebook page, right? Because we're in this really exciting time where as much as I would love to tell you, listener, I don't know what digital evangelism looks like for you and your church. I don't know the people in your community. I don't know the dynamics that you're facing. I just fundamentally believe to my core, it's a space that you need to be engaged in. Because we as a church, I think have accepted for far too long that, you know, our, our website's kind of lame. Um, our Facebook page hasn't been updated in a long time. And we don't do that in any other area of our ministry. We never say like, yeah, you know, our, our missions is kind of, are kind of lame. Um, our worship team isn't really that great, but we've settled in this area of technology and this opportunity that you speak of is so exciting to people like me because one, the expectations are quite low. You know, we're, we're going to be able to clear this bar pretty quickly. But also, and this brings back to the child subship piece, if you, dear listener, feel overwhelmed by the conversation Keith and I are having, there is probably a kid in your church who would be incredibly excited by the conversation that Keith and I are having. You know, I, at age of 30, I am too old for TikTok. I don't understand what's happening over there. It is a, it is a crazy environment to me. But I am able to stumble across some of these TikTok evangelists who are engaged in that platform in such a creative way that I would never even begin to understand because essentially that platform is not for me. And what does it look like for us as leaders to be able to lay down the authority in some of these digital environments and let the people who it was made for engage in that work? Because on a child deception level, and obviously I'll just qualify by saying like, I'm not advocating for breaking digital safety practices, like sure. follow best practices as far as your kids are concerned. But on a child discipleship level, we know and we have data to back it up how crucial and how impactful it is if you're able to let a kid lead, to let a kid that become piece, that highly experiential piece of child discipleship is so fruitful. And to limit that is incredibly detrimental to the discipleship process. I resonate with what you're saying, and this is something I wanted to highlight because you asked what's one of the things that I've seen in churches throughout the pandemic. And I'll tell you something that's so exciting that we've seen, and that is I was just at a church in Las Vegas um, two weekends ago, a partner church, visiting with them and, and had the opportunity to um, be with them during a Sunday morning worship service. And during those services, they had young people with these camera rigs, you know, that they're, you know, uh, they're walking around the service and they're filming the worship team and it's all live. They've got in-room happening and they've got their online experience. And they all look like they were in junior high, which everyone looks like they're in junior high if they're under 18 to me. But like, but, uh, you know, they, they couldn't have been 14 or 15 years old, you know, in braces. And they're, they're like running around and they've got mm -hmm. these, you know, this, this camera gear on and they're holding cables and they're, you know, they're uploading the content to the YouTube channel. and. So if you feel overwhelmed, just know this, like what takes me 10 to 15 minutes to do to just like find the right sticker for my Instagram, my kids can do that in <laughs> like a split second. And they get mad at me when it takes too long to make a post. Like of course, there are people around you who would love an opportunity. This is a sandbox. And one of the greatest opportunities I had as a young leader was I had older leaders who were more mature, 
you know, willing to let me fail, but gave me opportunity to play in that sandbox of, of ministry and to go for it. And I yeah. think that's the sort of approach that we could take with young people. And if we do that, we will continue to produce disciples and we won't have this gap of skills that exists right now in the church that we desperately need. Yeah. So I want to make sure people are tracking the sort of the sequence of this. You know, I think the conversation that you and your wife have with your boys is incredibly important. And I think in many ways that winds up being the first step with kids directly. But I would argue it is probably also the first step with the church of being able to communicate what, what are you trying to accomplish in this space? What are our values? How are we going to reflect that? How can we uh, reflect who Jesus is in an environment that is where the people are, is where the lost are? There is no shortage of opportunities for digital evangelism um, in a time like this. And then in that sequencing, when you've gotten the value, it moves from that point into more of a layer of, we'll say execution and how we are engaging in that space on a regular basis. But what I'm curious about, and this might be a good place for us to land the plane here, is I want people to understand what the fruit of this looks like when it's done well. When COVID-19 is a thing for the history books, that there's going to be innovation that has happened over the past couple of years, that this church is gonna have shifted that are still going to be true, however many, hopefully months, but probably years into the future, right? Mm -hmm. And when I think about my kids who are six and two, this is the church that they're gonna grow up in. Yeah. So there is no shortage of opportunity for me as a parent, me as a loving, caring adult, the language we'd use around here, to be able to speak into what their digital discipleship looks like and how they themselves can evangelize in this space to reach other kids and families in their community. But what I'm, I'm curious to talk about the fruit of that. Yeah. You know, we hear anecdotal stories. I imagine you have some of the person who wasn't going to church and then showed up saying, no, I've been here. I've just been online for the past, you know, six yeah. months and that kind of thing. But what is some of the other fruit that exists when this is done really well. Absolutely. Yeah, I have those stories. In fact, the church I was just in, in, in uh, Las Vegas, um, met a woman that was sitting in the same row as me, who that's her story, you know, found the church during the, the pandemic online, attended for months, and then finally, you know, started to come in person and now has become a member of the church. So just really cool. Um, but I think, you know, so we all have those. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think in some ways, those are the stories for pastors like, yeah, we know there's one or there's two, but like, what, what impact are we going to make culturally? And so I would just encourage church leaders and, and parents as well, you know, in, any believer right now in, in our culture, think about this. We are, we live in a world in a culture that feels with its eyes. I mean, that's why visual content is so important and gets pushed to the top of your newsfeed. Like it's, it's on purpose. And there's a reason that, that really compelling content gets traction. And so because we live in a culture that feels with its eyes, what, what I'm seeing is the churches that lean into turning the spotlight up on compassion and showing the ways at which God is at work through love and compassion and kindness through our churches, 
that for me will be, uh, as I continue to see it, that will be the defining mark for mm-hmm. those that leverage this tool well going forward. I, I believe that empathy is our strongest play in culture right now because compassion has always been the church's superpower. Yeah. Um, that is what makes us unique and distinct. Jesus said by this, all men will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have. So I think when we turn the spotlight up on the ways in which we're loving one another, loving people, loving our cities and our communities, that is the invitation for people to say, wait, who is this and what's this about? If you want to stop the scroll, visual content that tells a story of where God's at work in your city and your community, those are the things that will get people to pause and get them to stop and to pay attention to what you're doing. Amen to that. And it's such a more compelling story than what the church has said about technology first. For too long, so many churches have basically said, yeah, it's a, it's a little sketchy, but what isn't? So let's throw off some, you know, some level of content out there just so that we're also there as part of the conversation. And the vision you've just painted is one, just infinitely more compelling, but also mirrors what every person who's listening to this podcast has already done in the physical world. You have already done that kind of evangelism. You have already helped kids feel like they belong. And I know that because otherwise you still wouldn't be listening to me. So sincerely, Keith, thank you so much, not only for your ministry, for your time, but also for being able to speak out from the seat that you were in about the direction of the church. Um, I, I said last word before, but I'm actually going to make sure I'm going to change that because I'm the host. I get to do whatever I want. I imagine there's folks out there who, are, who have listened to this, who are, who are, who are feeling that sense of conviction. Maybe this, this conversation around technology has been overwhelming to them or they feel like they're not skilled in it and they're trying to ignore it and they're realizing that they can't. I'm curious with the idea of we live in a world that feels with its eyes. What is that first step for that person who's overwhelmed, that overwhelmed leader? What is that practical thing you want to make sure that people who are listening to this walking away are walking away with understanding or being ready to do in their context? It's good. So I'm going to talk to parents first. Parent, I'm right there with you. And um, I'm walking this road with adolescents who have grown up with technology in their hand. I will, I will say this, that especially for my youngest son who's in middle school right now, technology has become a great connection point for us because we share a passion for sports. Mm. And I've never tried to force those things on my children, just whatever their, their interests are, I want to get behind and fuel that. And, and so uh, with my youngest son, it's, it was easy for me because it was baseball and sports and I'm like a walking almanac of sports history. And so Love that. we just, we share a lot of content through social with each other. Um, we actually are watching a, a training series right now for one of his sports that he's in. And so we connect over social. Um, instead of me like trying to be the spy and look over your shoulder and there's a way to do that. And I yeah. think there's appropriate ways to do it and to make sure your kids know, Hey, I have access to the, to this anytime. And our kids know that, but I'm using it as a tool to build relationship and to form a bond with my son. And, um, and so that's been really interesting. So with parents, I would just encourage you to, to use it with your children. And uh, my sons don't like me posting about them. They don't like me tagging them. They hate all that stuff. So I can't do that anymore. But they're totally cool with us sharing memes. Nice. And every once in a while, I look for opportunity to share that inspirational content or that content that might speak to the heart or the soul. 
So that's what I would say for parents. Um, for, for leaders, if you're in a place of influence and you feel like your digital strategy or your, you know, your use of technology is just not hitting the mark, you know there's an opportunity that you're not, you're, you're not hitting, um, I would encourage you to invite some young people um, around you in your, in your local church. Um, start with maybe you know, some, some key families that represent that younger demographic you know, of, of maybe 25 to 35. Um, and, and just start asking them questions. Take some surveys. You'll be interested what you find out by asking just a few questions. Um, like, what could we do to make our website better? And do we need an app? Um, and the answer usually is, not right now. Uh, let's work on some of these other things. So <laughs> the sequencing of those things sometimes get out of order for senior leaders because we don't even know what questions to ask. So mm. measure twice, cut once when it comes to this by inviting you know, some, some younger leaders to get around you. At some point, you're going to need a professional to help you to sort that out, especially if you want to do effective digital marketing to get your message out. Um, and there are some, some really good pros that can help you with that at some point. Um, but I think, again, it's, it's finding that place to have the conversation to see what you might be missing. If you're a leader who knows the opportunity is there, but you've experienced the great resignation and right now you don't have that leader who can run point on all your digital communication strategy and making sure that your message is getting to those audiences, we'd love to have a conversation with you at Slingshot about how to find leaders for that pipeline for you. The Resilient Disciples Podcast is powered by Awana. Thanks to the donations of generous folks like you, Awana partners with 62,000 churches in 130 countries to make resilient disciples. When you give to Awana, you are investing in lasting faith, young people who will engage the culture with the gospel and fearlessly lead the church into the future. To make a donation to this mission, go to awana.org slash lasting faith today. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and check out the show notes of today's episode for relevant links from this conversation. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. You also heard I'll Let Go, provided by Josiah Williams from his album Rerouting 2. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.